may be seated. So <laughs> I set myself this goal. It seems like on, on Communion Sunday, we always run just a little bit long. And, um, and so I set this goal. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, keep myself to, to, to 15 minutes uh, when I preach. And, um, and so I wrote what I thought was a 15-minute sermon, and it just wasn't, it, it wasn't 15 minutes at the last church. And, um, and so I was asking, I was asking um, in the car, you know, well, what will you cut out? And William said, well, I would cut out the sermon. <laughs> and uh, no such luck, guys, but <laughs> I'll try to self-edit a little bit. <laughs> Uh, we are reading together um, Luke uh, 6, uh, verses 43 through 49. And we're closing out our study on the, uh, the Sermon on the Plain, these red letters from Jesus that teach us how to live. And we're resisting the urge to sort of explain them away and, and, and not really grapple with them and what they mean for our lives. So... Hear now the word of our Lord, um, Luke 6, starting with verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So on Monday mornings, um, I wake up and I start all over again. Um, I, I, I begin reading a new passage and praying about it and, uh, and figuring out what am I going to say this week. And... Um, uh, this particular Monday morning, last Monday, I got up, I got my cup of coffee, and I was, uh, I, I had the, uh, the passage up on my, uh, on my laptop so I could have access to all my, my digital tools that I look at when I'm studying a passage. And um, I was reading this parable about, uh, about the wise man uh, building his house on the rock and about the storm and the flood that comes. And while I was reading it, um, I was distracted because outside um, this howling wind uh, kept knocking all the stuff off my porch. 
and every couple of minutes I, I have to uh, get up and, uh, and figure out how to, to, to fasten something else down. Um, you know, first it was my grill, then my chairs, uh, things scooting across the porch. In the midst of that, I was also distracted because looking out of the corner of my eye, I was keeping my eye on all the goings-on in St. Louis this week, um, where uh, another kind of a storm had gathered, and a hot front was meeting a cold front, and, uh, and, 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 and I, was, I was keeping my eye on, on that in the midst of, of reading about, uh, about this, this, this storm in the parable. And at the same time, on my laptop, um, uh, all these, you know, constant news alerts. This person lied about this. That person was accused of that constantly going off. And so I, I was trying to dig down. I was trying to focus on these words. And uh, then there was a um, little blurb that stopped me in my tracks. And um, it, was a, it was a news headline, um, uh, Columbus, Mississippi, church destroyed by storm. It's like here I'm reading about the storm. I'm witnessing the storm. I've got to check this out. And so I, so I, I, I click on the link and read the news story. It was not yesterday, but last Saturday, there were all these storms across the south, and some of them were so intense, they spawned tornadoes. And the worst tornado was the one that went through uh, Columbus, Mississippi, um, just basically destroying everything in its tracks, right? It was, it was flipping over cars, uh, whipping down uh, phone lines, uh, taking the roofs off buildings, um, but dead in its path was First Pentecostal Church. And um, as, the, as, as the tornado passed through, it took everything. The walls, the roof, everything collapsed, and it was left in a heap of plaster and wood and glass. Uh, because the, uh, the, the pews were bolted down, they were left standing, and because no one could move one of those uh, uh, those, uh, those pulpits, there's always a team left, um, that was left standing, but everything else was in a pile. And I was just looking at the images of just suddenly, overnight, this, 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 this church that had been a, a home, to, to, to a spiritual home to so many people, was just lying in a pile outdoors. It only took an instant. The storm destroyed this church. It was left in a heap. And, and it just sort of hit me with all the force of prophecy sitting there as, as I was reading about the wise man who built his house on the rock and as, as the wind was whipping things around my yard and I was seeing all the news alerts. The thought came to me. Is our church stormproof? I'm not talking about the 
structural integrity of this building. I'm talking about the church, our church, Sydney United Methodist Church, but also the United Methodist Church, also the church universal, God's bride, Christ's body on earth. Is it stormproof? Will we weather the storm? Because let's not kick ourselves. We are in the midst of a storm. We are in the midst of a storm. The storm, you know, people have been warning about, you know, for, for decades. People have saying that, you know, this time's going to come, and now we're in it. Um, when I'm talking about the storm, I'm talking about this, this rising flood of, of moral relativism. You know, it used to be uh, 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 dammed up in the halls of, 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 of you know, liberal universities, but now um, it's reached our shores. No one, it seems, really believes in truth anymore. You know, we used to, uh, um, you know, the morning newspaper and the evening news, we would all get the same facts and then we would argue about them at work. But now we don't get the same facts anymore. Everyone can pick their own channel or pick their own website and, 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 and get told whatever uh, their itching ears want to hear. Um, uh, uh, sociologists tell us that we are living in a post-truth world. Some people call it post-modernism, but it's really just the state of things. Our politicians, both sides of the aisle, lie to us with ease at the drop of a hat. What they said uh, yesterday is different than what they're saying today, and they expect everyone to just lap it up and not question. We're living in a post-truth world. It used to be absurd to say that, that what's true for me it may not be true for you. And now that's just the model we all live by. That everyone has their own truth. And so how can we, the church who claims to have the truth, how can we expect to stand in a world where no one's looking for the truth? Everyone's happy to have their own truth. And it's not just that. It's, it's the winds of change are coming fast. Um, old, old ideas, uh, cherished notions are, 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 are being whipped away. And some of these are, are good. Some of them are bad. But it seems like this, uh, almost this, this fire hose of change, and it's more than we can really keep up with. And so we're, we're, we're faced by uh, embracing these changes without questioning or um, rejecting these changes without questioning because we feel like we don't have the time to catch up and question. And you all have seen the same things I've seen, the same studies that say young people are leaving the churches in groves. They're graduating and not coming 
back. And so the question, we're in the midst of a storm. Are we stormproof? Are we going to weather it? I want to make a confession to you. I have in the past, and I will continue to watch The Simpsons. I know you don't want to hear that from your pastor, but, but it's the truth. And um, it, it was like one of those things that was taboo when I was seven, and then I got old enough to watch it, and, and I just fell in love with it. And one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite characters that always makes me laugh is Grandpa Simpson, Homer's dad. And, um, and Grandpa Simpson is just a prototypical old man. And um, there, there's this one episode where he's going to the DMV and he wants to get his driver's license and he, uh, he asks if they'll use a newspaper clipping of him instead of taking his picture. And the news clipping, he pulls out, uh, the headline uh, says, Old Man Yells at Cloud. And it shows a picture of, 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 of Abraham Simpson just yelling at a cloud. They give him his license, and on the way out, uh, he, uh, he looks at that cloud, and he says, Who's laughing now? I think of this, this picture often. Old man yells at cloud, and I can't help but think of the church sometimes. That sometimes, to the world, we look, at the old, we look like the old man yelling at the cloud, just yelling at the weather. Um, just, just decrying the current state of things. And there was a time for that, but it's past. Because we're in the midst of the storm now. We can sit here and, and preach about how wrong it is to live in a post-truth world, but that does not change the weather. This is the world we live in, and we're going to have to figure out how to reach people in this environment. We, we can spend a lot of time um, uh, uh, talking about um, what changes are good and what changes are bad, but that doesn't change the fact that things are changing, and we're going to have to figure out how to be the church in this new environment. And looking up at, at the rain clouds and shaking our fist will not do it. And so what's left? What are we as the people of God to do? Jesus tells us in our parable this morning about a house that is built to weather the storm. He says, For everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck, and the house could not shake it, because it was well built. Jesus provides us the rock. He provides us the bedrock. If we're willing to dig down deep to that rock, and if we're willing to build our church and our lives around that, we can weather the storm. The question is, what is that rock? What are we digging down deep to? Some of y'all might think that's obvious. We just sang it, right? On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. Most of us, when we think about that rock, we think 
about our, our salvation, our belief in Jesus Christ, our faith, that, that if, if we just plant our feet on that, if we just, just plant our life on that unshakable salvation, then when the storms of life are over, we'll be left standing. That's a beautiful image. It's a beautiful metaphor of the Christian life, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Listen carefully. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. See, the rock are the words of Jesus Christ. When we dig down deep into these red letters that we've been studying together, when we dig down deep into those, that, that, that truth that comes straight from the mouth of God, and then we build our life around that, when we put those things into practice, we're building a life and a church that is ready to weather the storm. In other words, it's not simply enough for us to believe all the right things about Jesus. That ensures our salvation, but that does not ensure this building will be left standing. If we want to build our church stormproof, then we have to dig down deep into Jesus' teachings, into his words, and apply them to our lives, and to build our life and our church around them. See, the, the, uh, the, the, the rock is the teaching of Jesus. Now there's salvation in that. When you go to those red, red letters, you know, you hear, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You, you hear um, uh, John 3.16. Those are red letters too, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There is that in there, but there's also that challenging stuff we've been reading together these past few weeks. Judge not, lest you be judged. When someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn them the other also. Give to anyone who asks of you. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Those red letters too are the rock that we are, are to build our faith upon. And then, then there's the ones, the, the challenging ones we haven't even got to. That anyone that, 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 that looks at another person lustfully has already committed adultery with them in their heart. It's a hard one to hear, hard one to put into practice. Whatever you do unto the least of these, you dig unto me. If anyone would be my disciple, they must take up their cross and follow me. See, it's not just about believing the right things. It's about putting it into practice. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, it's like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. I believe now more than ever we are being called to dig down deep into the words of Jesus. Put another way, if all Jesus came to do was to die on the cross and save us of our sins, 
he would have been born on a cross. Think about it. He, he had an audience of shepherds right there. He could have been born on that cross. He had Roman soldiers already en route. But God Almighty thought there was something important about this whole 30 years of life that Jesus had to live, to teach, to heal, to show us the way to live. When Jesus died for us on Calvary, he didn't give up, just give us the last uh, 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 day and a half of his life. He gave us his entire life so that we could receive, yes, new life through his death and resurrection, but also through the way he lived his life, we would know how to live our new life. He gave us his whole life. And if we dig down deep into Jesus and we get to the bedrock of his teaching, then we can build lives and we can build a church that will weather the storm. The time for shaking our fist at the clouds is over. It's time to dig down deep. To, to go back to first principles. Because there's a world out there that doesn't believe in truth anymore. It's just, it's not enough for them to simply say, well, the Bible is God's truth and it says this. That doesn't cut it for them anymore. Maybe it should, but that's just not the world we live in anymore. They need to see through our actions, they need to see um, uh, through, through the way we organize ourselves a way that is worth living. And in this post-truth world, uh, they, 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 they need to see uh, a, a way of living that works and that is true. And that we find those in the red letters of Jesus. There are people out there drowning in the flood. And they need to be taught how to swim. And these red letters can do that for them. Yes, we live in a world where things are changing rapidly. But God's word never changes. God's word never changes. Jesus' red letters stand forever. And we can show people that if you anchor your life in that, then, 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 then when new changes come, then, then, then you approach them as Jesus would, with, with, with the, the Spirit of God in your heart. And, and, and you, you can address those things head on. There are things we face today that Jesus never talked about. Like, like what are we going to do about AI? Well, I mean, what, what are we going to do about human cloning? What are we going to do about 3D printing guns? Like, like these are just things that, that, that Jesus never thought about, right? Because he was in, in first century Galilee. And, and for us to meet these new challenges, these new changes, we're going to have to, 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 to stand on the rock of his teaching, and stand on, 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 on the rock of who he is and who he was and be that in the face of these new changes. But we're promised that if we do that, then when the flood is over, when the rain stops pouring, if we dig down deep and we stand on that rock, we'll be left standing. So the end 
of that newspaper article I was reading on Monday. Kind of gave me hope. See, that next Sunday, um, uh, the, the, the very day after, um, everyone gathered in the parking lot of First Pentecostal Church in Columbus, Mississippi. Um, uh, and, and the crowd was bigger than usual because people were from the community were coming out uh, to support the church. And they had folding chairs, and someone had, uh, had let them um, use their, uh, their pool that they had, out, their above-ground pool that they had out in their yard because they had nine kids to baptize that day. And they weren't going to let a silly little thing like not having a building get in the way of, 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 of baptizing these kids. And as I read the end of that article, I was, I, I, was, I was filled with this sense of hope because you know why? There was a building that was standing in a pile of ruins. There was a building that, that, that lay flat, wood and plaster and glass. But the church was left standing. The church was left standing. When this storm's over, I don't know what it's going to look like. If I had to guess, our buildings are going to look different. Um, the way we worship's going to look different. The, the, the way we meet will probably look different. But I believe now, more than ever, the church will still be standing. Now is the time to dig down deep. But if we do that, if we dig down deep into the teachings of Jesus and we build our lives and our church on that rock, then the very gates of hell won't prevail against us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.